Welcome to No Picks After Dark, Baltimore Sun's best podcast of 2020, voted by you, the listeners. No Picks After Dark seeks to build a community based on human experience, storytelling, and conversation. Now your host, Aaron Dante. Welcome to the No Picks After Dark podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. Today, we have a very, very special guest. I've been trying to get this guest on here probably about a year from now. A year. A, literally a year. Um, this lady's doing some great things in the community, folks. Great things. And I'm excited to have her on the podcast because she's doing so many amazing things in the community. And it's part of my community also because I was raised and went to high school in this area and went to college up there also. And it's exciting that she's doing so many amazing things. Without further ado, Miss Lauren, how are you doing today, Miss Lauren? I'm great. Thank you so much. How are you? I'm doing great. I can't complain at all. I'm doing great. Um, Good. So, I, so you know, I have you on the podcast and I just want you to, to tell us a little bit about yourself. Give, give, give the listeners a little bit about yourself. All right. Um, Okay. So my uh, really, really short bio is that I was born and raised in Syracuse as well. And uh, East Syracuse, Manoa, actually. And um, I went to SU for my undergrad. And um, I was actually a, um, before there was a sports PR major, I was just a PR major, but I kind of made it a sports PR major by doing internships and focusing all my special projects on sports marketing and, um, and then when I graduated in all that time, so I, the crunch, the chiefs, um, I, I was worked at all those places as an intern. And then, uh, really, really thought that was my absolute dream, you know, was to have that kind of a career. And then I got a great job. I was working for, um, the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. So the same league, the crunch plays in doing PR ticketing, a little bit of marketing and, um, and I actually loved it, but what I did not love was, um, you know, and anybody in sports will tell you this when you're an entry level person and even above, I mean, the pay is terrible because they are cool jobs that everybody wants and the work is nonstop. So I was putting in endless days and nights and I was like, okay, this part I don't love. You know, I really knew from an early age that you need to have a life outside of work. So my mom, um, you know, it was actually my mom who's like, just come back home, come to grad, you know, go to grad school and give yourself some time to think. And so that's what I did. I went to grad school back at SU and um, I did the media management program. So it's like a part business, part communications and um, didn't actually didn't plan to at all end up the way the way things did. But I, I stayed in Syracuse because I met um always because we meet a guy or a girl, right? So I uh, met a guy who was in the same program who was staying at SU for his PhD. So um, uh, stayed here. And then when he finished, I had already um, gotten a great job working at Syracuse Stage. And um, Syracuse Stage is a nonprofit, but I was looking at it as it's still marketing and it's not sports, but it's still entertainment. And, um, I ended up working there for 11 years, got married when I was there, had two children when I was there, learned so much when I was there. It was a great first real job. 
Um, and I just loved it. And then actually at that time, um, shortly after my second child was born, I ended up, um, my husband, and I ended up splitting up. And, um, so I left stage actually just looking for a career where, uh, or a job where there was a little more money. <laughs> um, nonprofits don't pay well, but nonprofits arts organizations really don't pay well. <laughs> so, um, I ended up working at Arcavana Daga, um, for about five years and, um, and they provide supports and services for people with disabil developmental disabilities. And actually pretty much every community has an ARC or something like it. And then, um, and then from there, I was recruited to come to the most. And that was in 2016. And I've been here ever since. And, um, you know, still live in, I still Syracuse and my children go to the same um, school district I went to. And, uh, and I'm, and I'm, you know, I never thought I'd, I'd end up here long term, but I am so glad I did. So. Nice. Um, so you right now, you're the president of the most, correct? I am. Yep. I'm the president of the most. Um, and have awesome. been, I have been since when, why can't I remember? Um, oh my God. It's been a, a little over a year. I can't believe I don't remember. It's, it's all good. Now most, <laughs> what does that stand for? What does that stand for? It stands stand for? for the museum of science and technology. Um, nice. And how long has the most been around for? We're going on 40 years, 40 years. It's, started off as this little storefront um, and it was called the Discovery Center and it was basically started by volunteers who um, who were you know sort of thinking ahead of their time and realized that there there really should be a, a, a some sort of a learning center for kids for science something that's fun and hands-on and so they created all these it was really just tabletop activities and games and, um, and then it grew and grew and grew. And then in, in the early nineties, uh, we moved into the armory. Uh, we had outgrown the space and, and the capacity and, um, and, uh, it was just sort of serendipitous timing that, um, you know, the most, the museum or the armory needed, um, an occupant. And so, um, uh, and so here we are all those years later. Great. That's great. Now, did you always like working with, have a passion working with people? Is that something that you grew up with it just something that was innate that some naturally people are gravitate gravitate towards people and like to train and develop and things of that nature is where's that come from i think it's but i do think it's in an innate quality for the most part i mean i've always been social and um for the most part extroverted um I mean, you're going to have to shut me up today. There's no doubt because I love to talk. I do. And I love, you know, I love to get to know people and I am from a big family, I think. And I think that's part of it. And, and, um, and then when I was, you know, when you're looking for schools and trying to figure out what you want to do in life, you know, it was actually, again, it was my mom who said, you know, you you're a great writer and you have a knack for, um, communications and, um, you and you know you're a good public speaker and why don't you study communications and um so again i went into it you know thinking maybe not necessarily thinking about working with people but definitely working in a in a um, people-centric type of place um doing public relations which of course is largely focused on all the different people that support your business so um 
so I guess I, you know, I think all along, yeah, probably I was always going to be working with people in this capacity. I never thought I would necessarily be a nonprofit or be in science or be, you know, leading, leading an institution, but um, certainly having um, the ability and the desire to work with people helps in all of that. It helps with everything, but in particular, I think a leadership role. Great. That's yeah. great to hear. Now, here's a question for you. Uh, I did my little, did a little homework, and you said it earlier today. So you work with the Scranton Penguins, okay? And mm-hmm. uh, that's yep. a and that's a hockey team. Did Correct. you with? Yep. I, I noticed you love you love hockey. You love hockey. I know that. Did you did you see yourself working for the NHL? Is that one of the goals you originally started out to be? That you wanted to work for NHL and you know just be a part of the whole scene? Is that just give us a little brief? thought behind that is that was that your dream job it was and in fact um yeah working for an nhl team was definitely the goal the dream the objective i um i i think for the most part i wanted to stay northeast and obviously everybody would want to work for their favorite team right so i would have loved to have worked for the new york rangers um uh, or the sabers which is so close to syracuse and buffalo and uh, actually, I only became a Penguins fan because they employed me. So I kind of felt an obligation <laughs> to like them, right? So, <laughs> you know, Marty Lemieux actually signed my first paycheck um, because when I started working wow. for that team in 1999, he had just purchased all of the teams all at once. So it was the, um, I think, I even think even their lower affiliate in the East Coast League he purchased. So that was the dream. And actually, it's funny. I um, so I went I went to Wilkesbury right after um, undergrad. And then I came, um, we, and we did a little bit of um, training and 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 stuff up in Pittsburgh, which was very cool, and sort of served to reinforce that dream. And then when I went back to grad school, that still was part of the dream, but maybe I was thinking about it a little bit differently and hoping to get in at maybe a higher level instead of an entry level job. Once I had, you know, both the experience and the degree, and um, I was. Uh, um, applying and was a finalist actually for an internship at the NHL league offices. And, um, I was going to do that for, for a while, while my, um, boyfriend at the time was finishing his PhD and that league office is in New York city. And actually the internship was cool. It was going to be planning, um, the all-star game, which I believe that year was in LA. So a lot, so being in two incredible American iconic cities, as part of an internship for uh, for the you know the elite NHL, I mean it would have been amazing, but um, it was actually funny. I was interviewing for a different internship too, as sort of like a backup here in Syracuse, and that was when September 11th happened, and that happened during my interview. I remember I, we came home, we were watching TV. My brother lived in New York. We were trying to reach my brother. My cousin lived in New York. We were. It was crazy. I mean, you remember, I mean, it was just absolutely the most, uh, it's not, it's almost like what we're living through now is almost like the next craziest thing I can think of that I've lived through. And, um, uh, after a couple of days of that, the news, the horror, the fear, I actually called the NHL and rescinded my application um, because, and, and uh, honestly, hindsight being 2020, I wish I hadn't, but at that time you just, 
you know, kind of like right now, you just didn't know what was going to happen, you know? And so um, I was like, okay, yeah, no, I'm going to stay home with my mommy for the rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Which again, I, you know, part of me wishes I hadn't because it would have been an amazing experience, but you know, you live and learn. And um, certainly if my kids had an opportunity like that moving forward, I would have probably, uh, with some reluctance, I probably would push them to still do it. Knowing that, again, like the things we're experiencing now, for the most part, most of us will get through these times unscathed, as awful as they are. And hopefully, actually, in a better place for it, as a better person, um, with a better appreciation for the things you have, so, um, so yeah, I kind of, I kind of ruined my own, uh, but who knows, who knows what would have happened. How many people know that? How many people know that story? I think, uh, I would say most, I mean, certainly my family does. And I think, you know, most of my, if most of my close friends, if I was friends with you at that time, certainly, um, and friends with you and still friends with you now, I think, I think, um, those folks know it. Um, but you know, and it's one of those things too. So I said that, and that was a done deal. And I put that aside and I went to the next thing, you know? So, um, it's, it's rare that I think, but, but I do like when talking to you about it now, it's like, Oh yeah, you know what? Um, that really could have been a tremendous opportunity, but at the same time, um, I hate to say this, but you know, working, working in, um, for all the good, a lot of companies, big, big companies do in the world, including um, places like the NHL. Um, the type of impact that I have the ability to make now in a nonprofit is definitely not something I would have had there. So, um, thinking of it in those respects certainly, uh, makes it much less regrettable. Now was, uh, fundraising and development, was that, was that, was that like something that you had a passion for? That's something that you really, really enjoy doing? Like, like going and going right. forward? No, I mean, not really quite, it, you know, it's funny. I, um, what happened was when I was working at Syracuse stage, I was the assistant director of marketing and that was fun doing all the fun stuff, buying advertising and planning our fundraising events. And, but I wasn't really a fundraiser. I was not asking people to give money. Um, and for most of my career there actually. And then in 2008, um, what happened was when the economy started to decline, um, a lot of companies, including Syracuse Stage, if you had a job that was, um, if you had a job opening in your organization, you weren't necessarily filling it at that time. And so we had some gaps in our fundraising department, and uh, they kind of looked at me and my my supervisor, and they're like, "Okay, well, you're doing fundraising now too." Um, and so that's what we did. And, um, it's, it, it's one of those things. It's probably the same reason that I like sports. Um, something about the fundraising and, uh, the sale aspect of it and the yes aspect of it. I loved, and I think it's cause I'm competitive by nature. So it was just one of those things you learn it quickly on the job. And, um, and I think same thing, you, you have a knack for it or you don't. And I think certainly you can pick up tips and tricks along the way. But for the most part, um, I think you like it or you don't, you're good at it or you're not. Um, and uh, but I ended up really enjoying that part of it. In fact, I sold a sponsorship yesterday um, for the museum on my um, on my social media. And I actually said to somebody here at the museum, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to tell Irv. Irv's our other fundraiser. I'm like, I can't wait to tell Irv. I love when I outsell him. And it is partly because <laughs> I have this little bit of a competitive streak. 
So <laughs> I like the challenge. But you've worked, so you've, you've worked many community organizations. Um, what are some tips that you have taken away from each job? I mean, what's the secret? Uh, like, you know, you have a lot of people coming out here now and, you know, it's, oh, geez, it's, it's a talent. There are so many. Um, I think it depends on what really kind of depends on what aspect. I certainly believe from the leadership perspective, and this, and actually this does resonate with all areas, um, you know, being, uh, being forthright, you know, being a good communicator, whether you're the one disseminating the information or receiving it, it's always good to be honest and forthright and, uh, and do so in a manner that's, that's factual. I think sometimes, especially when times are hard, you know, you want to either hide things because they're uncomfortable or you want to overshare because they're uncomfortable and you're scared. Um, but I think um, being a good communicator is, is just truly important. Asking questions, being open. This is a big one for everybody. Being open to learning new ways of doing things and always getting better. You know, there's certain things, um, you know, I've learned a lot, certainly in the last couple of years and, uh, and the older I get, the more, uh, I, I actually find myself sort of in the middle. I'm looking to people who've been there for their guidance and their wisdom and their experience. And then I'm looking to our younger folks to learn how, society's changing. How do people consume differently? What does the world look like that I'm not even necessarily a part of because I'm, I'm in a different generation, right? So I think that's really, really important too. And it's a great way to keep yourself relevant, you know, be a sponge. I also believe um, it's really important to um, be aware of everything that's going on in your community and your surroundings. So I'm a big believer in, in reading, catching up with the news. Like every night I'll go on Twitter and I will look up certain um, news outlets and read the news of the day. Um, and then some things that are really interesting to me, of course, in, in my role here, I'm reading a lot of science articles, journals, publications, um, just keep reading. It's really, really important in a fast changing world just to know what's going on, you know? So I think those are my biggies. And then, of course, integrity is huge. Just always doing things um, with an open mind. I like that. Thank you. Thank you. That 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 was marketing 101 right there. Yeah, right. I, I like I like that. <laughs> I like that. I, I'm taking notes over here right now. I love it. <laughs> yeah, there's always something new to be learned. Speaking of marketing 101, same thing. When I when I was selling marketing or when I was selling advertising and doing marketing at Syracuse Stage. I was one of, I mean, this is how, this is how dated this is. I was one of the first people to buy advertising on uh, Syracuse.com on a news web. Wow. I mean, that's how new that was. And now I have my marketing people telling me all these things about our, our analytics and our, and I'm just like, wait, what? Like, slow down a minute. I can't even keep up with how things change. So, um, but the night, but I will say one thing about marketing um, that that I really, if 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 you're giving, if I'm giving career advice specifically as it relates to marketing, more and more, I think two things people are forgetting that are really important is you cannot market something if people don't know you exist and what you do. So you know, 
especially nowadays as businesses get more complex and take on more things, really letting people understand who you are is so, so, so important. And I think the other thing on the flip side of that is really honing your focus. You know, uh, it's easy to get away with, you know, to get away with yourself with all these different things, find a niche, find a niche and focus on that for your marketing, you know, and, um, and I think that that's really helpful to people. The more, the more um, messages are out there in the world and the faster they come at people, the more your simplicity is um, actually going to end up standing out, I think. Uh, that's, 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 that's a wealth of knowledge right there, people, for free. That's a wealth of knowledge right there. <laughs> for free, for free. Not, I mean, I would, but, don't if, quote, but don't quote me on it if it doesn't work. Hey. You could charge for you could charge for those master classes they have online right now. <laughs> yeah, right. I should. <laughs> a little side hustle. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so we're gonna switch to switch a little bit and go to the most. Um so okay. when I think about the most, I remember I want to say middle school or high school, whatever it may have been, going to visit. And I thought it was the coolest place in the whole wide world. Um, I, I remember they had certain things that like the planetarium, like, I don't know, it's like a planets and, or they had whales or something like that, or they had like a 3d room and it was so cool. And to see things in different natures, you know, just, and I had never traveled out of the country or traveled anywhere at that age. And it was just, it it, it was such a great creative place to be. And I want to bring it home with you as far as, you know, the most. How is the most outreach to the community as far as getting pe- getting people who can't get there and things of that nature? How does that work? Oh, we're doing well right now. We're really working hard on that. So um, since we've been closed, we actually before we closed, we were thinking that um, if, if you if you think back to like the fe- you know February, late February, early March, we were kind of thinking that we would be either partially closed or maybe just closed for a few weeks. So we were thinking along those lines and we have come up with some really, really great um, virtual programming. So we have um, about five things we do pretty regularly online. Um, Everything from, well, now school's almost done. So I don't know that we'll still do this, but we have a homework hotline for science questions for students. We took, we were trying to take a couple of exhibits and sort of move them online. And the one that really stood out is the, is the best one to do that for was our um, innovation station um, because it's all about Syracuse innovation. And I also think it's cool because uh, it's not just because it's Syracuse innovation, but I think adults find that interesting too. So we moved that into like a piece by piece innovation blog. Um, we, every day we put out a new STEM activity that kids can do at home. It's like, you know, typically things that you'd have laying around the house or like household ingredients. And then we did a really, we did some really fun programming in April for earth month where kids could download a nature journal, um, and do their own science investigations on their own. So, and those are just a few, I mean, we, we, we tried a lot of different things and those things seem to work the best, but of course, you know, we're the, the most, you know, we're cognizant of the fact, you know, we work with students from um, all around the dog county and all the surrounding counties. So we know that technology and access to technology is not going to be something everybody's going to have or take advantage of. And so we did find that some of the schools in particular, um, or in some of the families, um, 
that normally would come here when we were open, we're not necessarily going to be the same people that are accessing virtual programs, you know, for a lot of reasons, the, the access being the biggest, but, but yeah, but at least now we know we can do it. We received a, an unsolicited award from the, um, the local chapter of the ASCE, which are the, which is the civil engineer society for the great work we were doing. Um, and I will say it's funny, our, speaking of Google and our metrics, our, our click open rates for our um, emails are highest they've ever been. And they're higher than the industry standard. Our, um, our social media following has grown. So, so I, so we definitely fulfill the need in the community for kids. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see when we do physically reopen how we kind of balance both of those things. It's certainly not as fun as the real thing. I will say that. <laughs> if there's also one other positive um, to being one of the last to reopen is we do get to see what's working and what's not working from other businesses, can learn a little bit. It buys us time to really plan through, um, you know, we know there's certain things we have to do, right? Staff have to be safe. Guests have to be safe. But some of the other, what are some new, what are some things new and exciting that we can do? So it's not just that we're reopening. Okay, great. You know, the most with no windows is reopening in August. Uh, Yeah. You know, people aren't going to be lining up necessarily, but they could if we had something really, really exciting um, to offer. So um, we are talking about a couple of things. Um, One is making use of our, we have that beautiful lawn. Um, out on the east side of our building. And uh, I think it's probably the biggest lawn in downtown Syracuse now that I think about it. And um, so we've been thinking about doing some outdoor programming, um, making use of obviously everything outdoors. So we, you know, we can talk about space, the sun, we can talk about um, nature, um, urban, urban nature in particular, because we're downtown. Um, And then in the context of everything that's going on in our world, We've also talked about a couple of different things. Taking we we have a life sciences exhibit. I think every science museum does. But is there a piece of that exhibit that we could dedicate to pandemics, um, virology, epidemiology? Um, and because I I feel that there will be kids whose curiosities about those things will be piqued, having just lived through it. And um, and then we're also resurrecting, um, like I mentioned to you earlier. We're resurrecting a black scientist showcase that was meant to just be a temporary installation last year during Black History Month or, or last February. Um, but we're going to resurrect that and revisit it. It's going to need to have some changes made for it to be permanent, but, but make that um, a permanent piece of, uh, of the most, a permanent exhibit. And we are also going to be doing some programming um, and we haven't quite wrapped our brains around exactly what that's going to look like yet. But we're, what we would love to do is pair black scientists with black students that are interested in science and technology and engineering and math. And um, and I think, I, for lack of a better word, I guess I will call it a mentorship uh, program. But it's really so much more than that. It will be fun. It will be experiential. It will be unique. I mean, how many kids are going to be able to say that, you know, maybe that they took a tour of the emergency room or a tour of um, a place like um, Lockheed Martin where tours are not just given out, you know? So um, we're going to try to do things like that. 
that really make it unique and special because, well, first of all, I don't care who you are, but STEM, STEM jobs are the jobs that are going to continue to grow. I think they outpace other jobs. And now, of course, this was all pre-pandemic, but I think they outpace other jobs by like uh, 10 to 20% in growth and uh, in certain fields more than others. So um, the opportunity for us to both educate and maybe get a, a Black student motivated for a STEM career, that's why we're here. That is exactly the purpose and the mission of the most is to get kids you know, interested in science and doing so in a way that's fun, that's hands-on. So we thought, you know, this can be our part in the change that this uh, society not only is long overdue, but um, that this society you can look out your window and see is yearning for. Um, so we're going to be looking for things like that to continue to do. Um, again, it, it all ties into our mission. You know, it, we've done girls in STEM programs. Um, everything we do is for a pretty average learner. Um, though I think sometimes we tend to skew to smart. I think smarter kids just tend to have a more of an interest. Um, but we even have programs for kids with special needs. It's, it's, it's important for us to touch every pocket of our society. And, and I've always had an interest in that. I remember reading somewhere and I'm sure our mayor's office thinks I'm crazy because I sent them the study where, um, and I don't know why anybody even needed a study to figure this one out, but, um, there's been a lot of studies that show that, you know, like begets like. So, um, if a, if a black a uh, boy has a black male teacher, the success rate is exponentially higher. You know, if, um, and same thing with, with girls and women, um, and really any, um, specific group, um, if, if they can see and model and emulate that the, the success rate grows and we know this, we know this and a place like the most we can ease, we have a great opportunity and we can do it. We can do it pretty easily. The most is sort of that, you know, it's not just one school. We're not just one school district. We're not just reaching. I mean, we can reach everybody. So, um, and we have a great, great group of board members, um, um, who can help with this too. So, so those are some of the kinds of new and exciting things that we're trying to do. So that when we do reopen, it's not just like, oh yeah, come back and, uh, and, and, and come see the same things you've seen for the last couple of years. We, re- we really want to make it, give people a reason to want to come back right now. I do like that, you know, it's always funny when you go to places and they always say, it's Black History Month, you know, you have the celebration for like 29 days right. and then it just goes by the wayside. I like that you are changing the, changing the, the, the narrative. Mm-hmm. I like that you're going to have it 24-7, 12 months out of the year. It has to be mm-hmm. because that is, that's, that's the world we are living yeah. in. And it shouldn't be just for isolate one month. Um, and just the mentorship, I think that's an amazing thing to have, mm-hmm. to have somebody to reach out to, somebody that can tell you, you know, this is how I made it. This is what I did. These are the people who helped me. These are the things you need to learn. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes a long way. Um, you and I talked about it earlier. You talked about everybody needs help getting somewhere. Yeah. You know, nobody makes it, nobody makes it on their own. Yeah. And just for you sharing that, thank you so much. That that's just um, again that warms my heart. That makes me happy. And you know, I'm I I, I you know it's, it's it's refreshing to hear. That's something that's positive. Right. That's something that's long lasting. Yeah. And I like that. And I think I applaud you for thinking of whoever staff doing this, 
you know, um, this is what it's all about. And, you know, moving forward, let's not go backwards. Let's, let's try to move forward yeah. in society. That's my, that's my little piece about society. Right. <laughs> but um, thank you. Uh, so then let's, let's, let's go to this. So what trials and tribulations have you had, you know, just coming up through the ranks, uh, just with work, mm-hmm. like to how you got here now? Like, where's the biggest trial and tribulations that you've gone through that you've like, wow, I, I wish I would have done this way. I wish I would have done this way. But you learned from it what, and you grew as a person. You grew as a person. What is something that you can give people an example of? Um, geez, there's been so many. I, I truly, my biggest trials and tribulations have been myself, really. They've been myself, my own self doubt. Um, you know, I, uh, and this isn't intended to sound at all like a pity party, it is what it is. Um, but, uh, you know, sometimes I think being a woman in a position of power or authority or, you know, you, you, and in my case, I was a bit younger than, uh, I can't say that anymore, but I was, I tended to be a bit younger than my, um, uh, my peers in the same roles and at the same, you know, and so, um, sometimes I would, wasn't really sure if I had what it took, you know, um, anytime I started a new job or, or then you have a child and then you're dealing with being a mother and a, and even that, even parenting, the self-doubt. And, you know, again, like everything else, there's a lot of ways to get through it. One is you, you have to know you're not alone. You have to know you're not alone. You, in my case, having small little successes and victories helped me to think, okay, yeah, maybe I do know what I'm doing and telling people that I have certainly told, confided in um, my mom or, you know, a friend when I'm feeling maybe, um, do I have what it takes to do this thing, whether it's just running the day to day of the most or tackling something like a four month shutdown at the most, or, you know, whatever the case may be. And, and even personally too, I think overcoming those types of things. And, and it also, I think with age that goes away a little, but with a lot of sort of talking yourself through things, certainly again, going back to reading and feeling like you understand what's going on in the world. Um, all of those things help and, and being, Um, and I'm lucky, you know, so I might be in charge, but really I report to two boards of directors at the museum and being able to say, okay, I need help with this thing. In fact, when I interviewed for the job as the president of the most, I actually said to them, I'm not going to be like, um, the presidents and the CEOs you had in the past here. I'm, I am definitely different. Um, the pouring over financial statements is not where you're going to find me. But here are the other things that I can bring. And so I think that's the other thing, too, is part is part of um, trials and tribulations is um, knowing uh, knowing enough about yourself to know not only what you're good at, but what you're not good at and being okay with who you are. And that way, when the the specific hurdles come, you're better equipped to deal with them, you know? So I might not be able to tell you a really, really specific obstacle, though I can, I certainly can think of a few, uh, both as a mom and as a career person. But just, again, knowing how to tackle it means you have to know who you are. So how has the greater Syracuse community stakeholders embraced working with you? Uh, Since, you know, you're a new president there, how has that worked out with the mayor and other community businesses? How has that worked out? Really, uh, everything has been great. Um, We, you know, I'm very fortunate because partly because I'm a lifer, you know, you get to know people. It's a small town. And then being a fundraiser on top of that, 
you really get to know people. You get to know the decision makers of a community because largely the decision makers also have the funds. So, um, you know, I've been able to really um, spend a lot of my time through my fundraising and through my marketing skills, uh, making all of those community connections. And I'm also fortunate, nobody ever wants to see, you know, anything but the greatest successes for the most and for the kids that come to the most. You know, I'm not doing something that that really gets any sort of pushback from anybody. Nobody's going to argue with science education for kids that, oh, by the way, is fun because who the heck doesn't like dinosaurs? So, so I've been fortunate for that. And I think, like I said, just being in a small town and, and being all over the place, um, I do feel like I've been embraced. Um, people are, are interested in hearing um, how I want to change things at the museum or how we have changed them. Um, want to help us look at things differently, you know, and so, so I've actually been very lucky in that respect. Um, in fact, even just today, so I told you we're, we're re, we um, are doing exponentially more summer camps right now. And um, which is different for us. But I mean, I sent, um, I sent this information in, in emails and phone calls and texts to so many different people in the community. And I just said, Hey, look, this is something totally different. And our best marketing is going to be if you all help get this information out. And everybody wants to help, you know, because we are doing the right things for the right people. And, um, and every, you know, like I said, we're just lucky. We're fortunate that people love, love a place like the most, you know, lots of fond memories for people, including you. <laughs> I know, I know. You, you, I, I, I'm definitely going to go up there when I go back. I try to go to Syracuse yeah. twice, twice, three oh, times a year. Oh, you should. Go visit friends You know, believe family. it or not, yeah, there's a lot I of things to. you would be surprised. It look, I'm sure it'll look totally different to you now. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, the, I was on the hill last uh, yeah. fall, and I had no idea oh, what this place looked like. It changes like surprised. daily. I know. It's unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. I didn't recognize the school. Mm-hmm. I did not recognize it. So, so we kind of touched upon it right a little bit earlier. You know, we're in uncharted right. waters um, with society, business. Everything's crazy right now. And, you know, a lot of businesses are closing. I know here in Maryland right now, we're at stage two. Oh, so okay. everybody has different stages. Um, Six Flags is opening up this Friday. Well, it will be opening up this Friday. We have indoor dining opening up this week in oh, Maryland. Wow. We have a lot of things going on. Yeah, we're... <laughs> We're moving pretty quickly. I mean, I guess, you know, I'm not going to quote it, but I feel like John Hopkins might have gave us the green light. I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just going with the flow right now. Um, but um, we're, you're right, right. So I don't know. I'm not going to quote John Hopkins, but I mean, allegedly, allegedly, we're listening to the expert. Right. I don't know. So, but I, I know I'm staying inside. <laughs> so I'm not going in, not inside dining. I'm not about that. But, um, virtual tours going forward. Are you guys going to be doing more virtual things with society? Have you learned from this experience? Will you guys be just looking at how society is working with the pandemic, the possibility of this having to come back this fall again, the strong possibility that I'm hearing over and over again, what plans do you have in place going forward? Like saying fall, winter, maybe a little touchy. You might lose a little bit of, schools that may be going to field trips. Field trips may not be something that's going to be happening very soon. So how are you going to adjust virtually? So what we decided with, um, for the, for the most part, what we think we're going to do is take everything that we did virtually. And for the most part, we're just going to archive them. 
when we reopen, maybe keep some of it, certainly, but archive a lot of it. And then what we're going to do is we're starting this now because, you know, schools, schools will start planning in the summer. And you're right. I mean, we may, we may hear from a school district in, you know, end of August. Yeah. We're not doing any field trips next year, you know, so we need to be prepared for that. So we're, we are looking at a couple of different things, you know, can you make a field trip virtual? And I'm sure there is a way, you know, maybe you take one piece of an exhibit, you know, um, we've talked about even doing a virtual scavenger hunt. So, so, so field trips will have some sort of iteration of change to be done virtually. And it'll also depend on the school. So um, with some schools, they might need something pre-recorded. With some schools, they may want a live walkthrough so that everything's a little different. Um, and, and, and depending on what platforms they use, we may need to adjust. So we're, tr- we're going to try to get the best sense of that that we can. And then, um, and then, of course, what I really would like to see happen instead of that sort of lies somewhere in between a field trip and a virtual field trip is um, for us to be able to push into schools. So we could actually take mm. our science educators um, and we could do a few different things. We could do a workshop. We could do a demonstration. We could pick maybe our two most popular exhibits and actually pare them down somehow for like a one day, almost like a pop-up exhibit, but it's, you know, um, and call it. So, so, you know, we're looking at all of those kinds of things. Um, and of course, you know, obviously we would love to see everybody just coming back, but we know that's not realistic. Uh, I just hope, like I said, that, that we can find something, some sort of a middle ground. If you could look at your younger self, what would you say about where you are in life right now? Um, I would say to my younger self that uh, you'll be pleasantly surprised um, at how your life is now. Um, emphasis on the surprise because probably a lot different than I would have ever anticipated. One thing I think that is the same is it, it, the heart of who I am. I am, I am the same. You know, I was the girl who um, looked out for the kids that, you know, made sure they didn't get beat up in school school and high school, I was always, you know, I always did, I always considered myself somewhat smart, but really led with my heart. That really hasn't changed. And, um, but I, but of course, uh, I, I, I would tell my younger self, you'll be surprised to know that you're still in Syracuse and you love it. You know, I couldn't get, wait to get out, but it's a great place <laughs> to raise a family. And I couldn't be happier that I'm still here. Um, I think on the on the personal life side, I think my younger self would be surprised to know that it wasn't the whole fairy tale with the white picket fence. But I'm still very happy, and um, and being a mom is certainly the best thing I do. But on the professional side, like I'm doing a pretty darn good job, all things considered. Um, you know, running a business is not too shabby, mm-hmm. especially one like the most that is just such a great place. So. Um, and I think I would tell myself just, uh, you know, if you're always doing the best you can, that's all you can do, right? All you are is all you have in that moment. So I like that. I like that. All right. So now we're going to do the fun part. Everybody loves this part. It's called rapid fire. And uh, okay. this is me just going right at you, asking questions. And There's nothing you know, rapid about me, but I'll do the best <laughs> I can. No, it's all good. It's all good. So rapid fire, what inspires you every day? My kids. A life, um, you know, I'm motivated and inspired by my kids and everything I want to fulfill for them and myself. Your favorite author? Ernest Hemingway. 
Your favorite music group? Dave Matthews. Favorite hockey team? New York Rangers and Crunch and whatever team my son is playing on. <laughs> if there was one hockey player you wish you could get, get autographed, who would, who would it be? Uh, Wayne Gretzky. Best brunch in Syracuse? Um, oh, goodness. There's a couple. I love Ocho Cinco and I love um, the York, but really I'm all about the mimosas. It's for me, it's more about the, the fun, um, brunch drinks than it is the food. Um, so, but those are my two favorites. Flats or drums? Drums. Blue cheese or ranch? Blue cheese. Extra. You'd be surprised a lot. People like ranch down here. (laughs) It's not right. It's not right. Favorite city to visit? Um, New York. Best Italian food in Cuse? Um, besides myself or my grandma's house? Hmm. Uh, I'd have to say possibilities, actually. It's certainly not traditional Italian in a lot of ways, but that's one of the things I really like about it is the twist that she that uh, Karen has put on Italian. And great atmosphere. Now, if I, now a lot of my listeners are from Maryland, and um, if I their first time ever going to Syracuse, what would be the first? What would be the five places you would tell them to go to in Syracuse to go hang out at? And you gotta go check okay, it out. Okay, so certainly the most that would be number one on the list. Yes, I agree. Um, and then while they're there in Armory Square, um, I would actually suggest Armory Square as a destination in and of itself. Make the rounds there, bars, restaurants, great shopping, um, and uh, and just and make and, and spend some time there. Um, I would also put, uh, next on the list after those two would be Chittenango Falls. It's absolutely beautiful. Uh, it's really breathtaking and it's, um, it's just something you don't expect, um, in Syracuse. I mean, it's just outside of Syracuse, but I still count that as, um, as sort of a must. Um, and that said too, I don't know if this is too far away, but can I say, uh, Skinny Atlas Lake? This is your, this is your podcast. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So again, it's outside of the city of Syracuse, but I also think it's worth, um, that would be worth a trip if you are in Syracuse. It's not too far away. The lake is stunning. Um, the village is quaint. Um, they, they do a nice job of little, you know, little weekend types of event and, uh, it's just stunningly beautiful. And then I guess my last, this is so hard. I guess my last place would probably be, depending on what time of year, you got to hit up a sporting event. Right. Um, whether it's one of the SU athletics uh, sports or it's crunch hockey or it's the Syracuse Mets, most of the time outside of um, uh, outside of pandemic times, um, there's always a great sporting event largely going on here in town. And I think everybody, whether it's the pros or the student athletes, I think all of them are worth checking out and they're always fun. Even when the teams are terrible. And what was the, what is the best advice you've ever received? It's a tough one too, but I think, um, and, and this is going to sound so um, this is going to sound so cliche, but I really do like it because a it came from my mother, and b um, if you take sort of the cheesiness out of it, it really is great advice. And it was my uh, it was it was in high school. I don't think I was quite a senior, but she said that old expression. Um, about reaching for the stars, because even if you don't succeed, you'll still be, you know, up there with the moon. 
And I love that because I think that is so, there's so many great messages in that. It's a never give up message. It's an, it's an aspirational message, but it's also an aspirational message that is so, um, um, down to earth. Another that pun was definitely not intended. Sorry. Meaning, you know, like it's aspirational to, to reach high and to aim high, but in doing so, you're also setting yourself up for just, you know, um, uh, to be firmly planted, right? In, in, um, in whatever, and wherever you end up. So, right. um, I, like I said, I, and and it sticks with me. So obviously it was good advice because it re- still resonates. And what's the, your contact info, the most contact info, how can people look online, uh, from all over the United States and just check you guys out from, from afar? How can we reach out? So the website is most.org. Um, all of the most social media is at most Syracuse. And, um, and then for me, my social media is all, um, uh, at Lauren Cochin. And so that's Twitter, um, Instagram, and I think Facebook, but even still, you can find me through, um, on social media through the most website. That's awesome. I, and I appreciate everything that you're taking time on your day. I know you're one of the busiest people I know, and <laughs> you're always, you, you know, and you're running an amazing operation and I can't wait to come back with my son. I have a little son and take him to the most and just have that great experience I had. And yeah, I, you, know, you I always have to do to... that soon. You will definitely. I do. It. No, I appreciate it too. This was a lot of fun and I'm glad we had the chance to do it. Yeah. I, and say again, I appreciate you. You know, this is the president the most. I mean, I remember going as a kid and it was the most amazing place. And, <laughs> you know, unfortunately I haven't been to things like that recently. And um, I think sometimes we have to get back to our roots and mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm so happy that, you know, we connected and I'm glad that I have you on this podcast. We have so many mutual friends that we no. know and just, it's so many, it's so many. And again, I'm so happy. I can't wait for them to hear it too, because they'll be excited. Uh, Good, um, I'm glad. Rob, Rob, Lori, all those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I those are them. all my people down here. <laughs> so they all live down here. So I appreciate it. And with it that, I, we are out folks. Have a good one. <laughs>